Glad you're here. Um, we're going to continue kind of in worship looking at this series. In fact, if you've missed any of the changed series, uh, buckle up because this is the first time I've ever done a mashup sermon where you're going to get six weeks like in 20 minutes. So you ready? Okay, but first, before we start, uh, I do wanted to just say thank you and congratulations to Matt and Laura, to Sarah, to Connor for graduation. That's a big deal. And so I don't know, I know Laura's here, but I know a few others. So well done, high school graduations last week, college last week, high school coming up this week. And then let's just address the elephant in the room that everyone is welcome, whether you hear Laurel or Yanni, just we're a church for you and uh, we just want you to know so maybe your neighbor hears something different it's okay there's grace there's grace so um we started this series looking at this idea of change and, and saying there's a reality about the change we have. We used First Peter as a touch point for us going throughout, not exegetically through it, but using it as touch point to say, here's some changes that are to mark our lives as a follower of Jesus. Whether you might be in that journey, maybe you're still investigating Jesus, not quite there yet, and I think it's awesome that you're here because I hope that this would be a place where you can experience and begin to, to taste and see that maybe God really is good and and there's some things that can get past maybe some of your doubts or even some of your questions. And looking at this idea of change, that Jesus does a change to work in us when we first say yes to him. That that's the moment of salvation. But there's also some redemptive changes and work that he does in our lives throughout. And we said as a church, we want to be a church that is helping people live out this changed life of people who have said yes to Jesus who are following after them. And so we kind of put a stake in the ground and said, this is a series that's a big deal for us. And so tonight, I just want to recap a little bit of those things. And then we're going to take communion together. And then Brian's going to lead us through some prayer time and just investigating, okay, God, where's my next step in this? because we all have a next step in this, this idea of change. And so it's a, a little bit different night, but it's important for us. It's important for us to understand. We said uh, that your lives are always marked by something. Maybe you grew up and you were marked by, you got the phrase, you're a hard worker, or you're a loyal person, or a loyal friend, and some markers that you had in life. But the reality is that there's some spiritual markers that are to mark our lives as followers of Jesus. We even joked about Jeff Foxworthy, right? And he made a whole career out of this, of marking people. You might be a redneck if, remember? No rednecks here. Okay, so uh, you might be a redneck if you wash your car more than you wash your hair. Remember that? Uh, you might be a redneck if you can play the Star Spangled Banner on a turkey call. Anyone? Okay, don't raise your hand. Um, but this idea of marking our lives, and so the spiritual marks that are to be a part of our lives are about changes that go on. And one of those first ones is the fact that we have a changed heart. That's what we see in the life of Peter when you really begin to look at this book and this text is understanding this is the Apostle Peter 35 years after the resurrection. And the passion he has for Jesus is still going, and it's still growing, and it's still deepening. And it's this passion to live out this life that Jesus invites us to. It's not just about gaining more information. This is about transformation. This is about having our soul and our heart transformed to be more and more reflective of who Jesus is. The whole book can be summed up really in the first couple uh, verses of chapter 1 where it says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us a new birth into a living hope. That we have this living hope that never lets us down, it never leaves us. It's not something we're trying to hold on to and not forget or lose or misplace. It's this living hope 
through the resurrection of Christ, raised from the dead into this inheritance that can never perish or spoil or fade. It's not up to us and us trying to hold on to it. It's, it's like this hope and this love of Christ is actually holding on to us. And because Jesus changes us, he continues at this process of changing us to be more and more like Jesus. And so he said this ultimately comes down to the reality of being a people who live um, gripped by this hope and love of Jesus, that it just exudes out of us. It doesn't mean I have to be an extrovert or an introvert. It just means that this hope and love of Jesus is so known by me that it gets to be expressed through me in the way I interact, in the way I navigate life and the people who bump into me and we said the love and hope has got to mark you as a follower of Jesus. In fact, here's the bottom line that we put. A heart changed by Jesus forever flows with the hope and love of Jesus. That's how people know that you're my followers. Remember Jesus said, this is the verse we challenged to memorize. Remember, a new command I give you, John 13, 34 and 35. Jesus said to his followers, I, I want you to love one another. As I have loved you, you're to love one another. By this, everyone's going to know that you're my follower. Our world needs more of this, doesn't it? It needs more of this, of a changed heart that's forever flowing with the hope and love of Jesus. And so that needs to become a marker in our life that's taking deeper root in how we live and how we interact. We said, secondly, this idea of a changed mind that we need to have a changed mind as the one who has said yes to Jesus, who's fallen after him, because the mind is where our decisions are made. It's where our choices get played out. It's where the, the things that happen in our life, and, and God, in a way, wants to kind of reboot our operating system, how we see the world, how we interact with the world, what choices we make as we begin to live out this world. Our mind is, the word mind is used 121 times in the New Testament, and it's really this idea of the, your thinking place, the, the place where you make your decisions, where you're filtering through and, and deciding what you're going to do and how you see the world. And as a disciple of Jesus, as a follower of him, we've got to upload God's mind. We've got to have the way he sees the world, the way he sees to interact. We said this from A.W. Tozer, remember? The Bible is not only a book which was once spoken, but a book which is now speaking. That the scriptures call to us and say this scripture is alive and active. It's God-breathed. And it's good for teaching and rebuking, correcting, for helping us see how we're to navigate life. Our mind has got to be interacted with that. This idea that Scripture has been given to us to rewire and to retrain and to reboot and to reload God's operating system, if you will, into how we see the world and therefore how we interact with the world. Remember we said Romans 12.2 was the verse we wanted to tie to this idea. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve. Here's what God's will is. Here's his best in this moment, in the scenarios and the situations that unfold. The bottom line was this. A mind marinated with God's scripture leads to a life filled with God's power. So the question, the challenge for us was, how are we doing at getting God's word into us? Not just getting it through God's word, but actually getting it to be a part of who we are. That was part of the challenges of memorizing these verses. And, and maybe you didn't do that, and that's okay. You can start now. It's this idea of kind of trying to put this stuff into our minds so that we live with a changed heart and we lived with a changed mind. 
And then if we're living with a changed heart and a changed mind, it's beginning to change our relationships and how we navigate relationships around us, that God is interested and focused on us having changed relationships. And our world needs to see changed relationships and a better model of how to relate one to another, how to forgive. Uh, This simple adage, remember, that we is greater than me. And we live in a culture that says it's all about me. No, we've been adopted into this family of God that as someone who has said yes to Jesus and who's following after him, it's not just about you anymore. In fact, it never was, but now it really isn't. And it's about this powerful we, that we as the church get to put his love on display. And C.S. Lewis, remember we said this, he wrote, God's work on us in all sorts of ways. He's at work on us in all sorts of ways, but above all, he works on us through each other. There's just ways that he chips away at things in our own life as we rub shoulders with other followers of Christ who are changing us and shaping us and helping us become better. That's the goal here. While your relationship with God is very personal, it is never meant to stay private. It's not just about you and God. It's about you and the people next to you and and who you get to live life with and not just the people that are following Jesus, but the people you get to interact with and, and maybe even begin to influence a little bit for God and for his good. Spiritual growth will happen at the intersection of your relationship with God and your relationship with others. Remember, that's what we were saying this challenge. And so we said this key verse, above all, love each other deeply. Because love covers over a multitude of sins. How many of you make mistakes? That's not enough hands. How many of you make mistakes? Yeah. Above all, love each other deeply. Why? Because it covers over those mistakes that we all make in our relationships and how we relate one to another. We said, bottom line, look, relationships fueled by the deep love of Jesus. They just run further and stronger and better. And so we want to be a people who live with a changed mind and have a changed heart and begin to see changed relationships. And then the uh, fourth week, we looked at this idea of changed community. This idea that, okay, if it's not just about me and if it's, it's about we, then, we, then that means that there's influence and there's help and hope that we can give to the people around us, whether they know Jesus or not, that it's about doing God's good in this world. Remember, we were writing about N.T. Wright, and he talked about, okay, being a follower of Jesus isn't just about a fire insurance and you get to go to heaven when you die. It's, it's about the gospel of God actually coming back into the present. The, the prayer that we pray, Lord, may your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. May may the way things operate there begin to become more and more the way things operate here, at least in the sphere of influence that I have. That church is not a location with an address. It's a family of God living on mission for him. Church isn't about a building and about an address. It's about a family of God, the we, who begin to live out as these active agents for God who are on the go, and who go and do, and they be, and they do good. And they want to see God's good in this world more and more. We're salt and light people, Jesus said. That's what we're to be. And so we're to have this influence. Don't shine just so that um, others can see you. Shine so that others can see him through the way that you live and the way that you interact. Go into my world. Be my witnesses. Do good before the people I'm for. Jesus would constantly say, 
calling his disciples to not just be about them, but to have change into their community and to be about that. We don't simply gather as the church. We scatter to be the church in a world that desperately needs it, friends. We're reminded every week how much our world needs the hope and love of Jesus to flow through us because we have a changed heart. To begin to see and interact in a way that's different because we have a changed mind. And that we're living in relationship and we're working this out and we're figuring this out, we're practicing forgiveness and we're moving through and relationships are just running different. The people go, why is your relationships different than the ones I experienced? Well, because of Jesus and the change that he's doing and, and he can change you too. And it's opening up these opportunities to have. We said a God-changed life will infuse godly change into the community around you. It will have a change. People will begin to take notice as we live as a changed one. In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to those who are asking for the hope that you have. Why? Because your life flows with a changed heart, forever flowing with the hope and love of Jesus. We're to live with this changed community and, and thus living with a changed purpose, which is what we looked at a couple weeks ago. This fifth change, that this idea that, okay, it's not just about me and my scope and what I can carve out in life. I actually live with a greater purpose than what I can create in and on my own. That I live my life for someone bigger than just me and the scope of what I can get my arms around. We talked about this idea that you've been given a spiritual gift maybe several. As a follower of Jesus, you've been gifted, and no one gives a gift to someone, and then they take it and throw it in the closet and never open it, right? You wouldn't do that. Someone gave you your birthday gift. You don't have a closet full of birthday gifts you've never opened. What do you do? You're too ecstatic. You open it right there. If it's too awkward, you wait for them to walk away, and then you rip it open, right? But you open gifts, and that's the, that's the issue and the, the challenge we've been given, that you've been given spiritual gifts where you can be used by God to make a difference in this world for him. And whatever that gift might be, we actually gave you kind of a spiritual gifts assessment that you could take online. And if you need that, I'll send the link to you just to get your mind around what might my gift be and how would it look like to develop that and then deploy that for God, to discover what that is to develop it and to move it forward, to use it. We looked at the places in the scripture and we said that all men and all women who have said yes to Jesus, who are fallen after them, you've been given a gift and you've, you've been invited into discovering what that is between you and the Holy Spirit and figuring out how do you develop that and move that forward. Charles Swindoll wrote this, when we employ our spiritual gifts, others benefit. Others get encouraged, and others gain fresh hope, and interestingly enough, so do we. We get blessed when we give our gift away, and we use it to encourage other people, that the church is healthy, and it's at its best when people are utilizing their spiritual gifts, but when people throw them in a closet, or never look to discover them, or never look to develop them, or never look to deploy those, then the church suffers because the gifts go unused, unopened. And the challenge for us is to figure this out. God has gifted you, friends. And the gifts are best when they're, not when they're wrapped up and stuck away, but when they're unwrapped and used and utilized. The bottom line was this. A God-changed life is a God-gifted life. And gifts are meant to be shared. So this scripture, remember? For we are God's handiwork. 
literally in Greek, it's like this masterpiece. It's like the Mona Lisa. There's only one. There's, you're like a masterpiece. You're part of God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he has prepared in advance for you to do. You have a part to play, an activity to have. And so that was a summary. Whew. Five weeks right there, quick, if you missed anything. Um, Awkward, okay. Um, But we want you to be people who live with a changed heart and a changed mind, who who navigate with changed relationships. We want to be this kind of church that, that changes the community around us, that releases people to discover their spiritual gifts so that they can live with a bigger purpose and a changed purpose in that. And so the challenge tonight is really, really simple. Maybe this is your first time and you just got five weeks worth in 20 minutes. And you're like, whoa, that's a lot, okay? Maybe you've been sitting through this, maybe you've been catching up on the app on, on the weeks that you missed or so. Here's the simple challenge. Which of these changes does God want to do more in your life this summer? This, the rest of 2018. Where is he wanting you to take your next step? That's the challenge. And so I'm going to speak into that just for a a minute. And then I'm going to kind of, we're going to go into a time of communion and reflection. And then Brian's going to come and he's going to lead us through a little bit of a prayer time of that discussion around that. What does it mean to be a person who pursues that now? And we're going to end with some worship songs. And so that's the goal tonight. That's where we're going. At the very At the very core of this, as a church, Element City Church, we want to be a church that is raising people up who've said yes to Jesus and who are trying their best to follow after him and allowing God to do a changing work continually in them. At the end of the day, to change their heart and to change their mind and to change their relationships, to change their community around them, the influence into that, to live with a changed purpose. That we want to be able to look back two years, three years from now, and be able to celebrate with one another the changes that have happened. For a lot of you, I've, I've had the honor to watch God do some changing work within you over the last few years. And I applaud that. I'm so proud of you. I know it's not about you. But you should feel proud that God has done a change and that you actually surrendered your heart to say yes to that. And you said, I I want to grow in that. We don't want that to ever quit. There's never not a next step for a follower of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus said, come follow me. And he hasn't stopped yet. He's always on the move. And so this invitation is to say, okay, what's my next step in that? And so I just want you to think about it. Is it changing your heart? Is it changing the core of who you are that, that maybe you're a person who, who doesn't live with the hope and love of Jesus just permeating from you because maybe you struggle to even still understand how much you're loved and how much God delights over you? Friend, I, I pray that you would be captivated by that in an increasing measure. Not based on what you do or what you don't do, but based on who you are in Jesus' eyes. That your value comes from him and that you're loved. 
and that you have an eternal hope that doesn't perish or spoil or fade. You can't lose it or misplace it or throw it away even. It's there. It holds you. And and what does it look like to say yes to saying, God, I want to grow and have a changed heart more and more? What does it look like to grow to have a changed mind? For some of you, you've been around church for a long time, and you have a Bible that collects dust, and it's a great paperweight. And you may look at it as you glance across the room, but when's the last time you actually dove into it? and let it speak into your heart. And maybe you feel lost, and, and I don't know where to begin, and that's the invitation we give you, you version. We recommend that because it's got so many thousands of plans, reading plans that could help you, that what would it look like for you to say, I'm gonna start designating 20 minutes out of my day just to read God's word and have it get into my heart, into my mind and and just change the way I see the world and how I interact with that? What does it look like to figure out what your next steps for that may be? What does it look like to to have God change your relationships? For some of you, you've been on the peripheral and you're around elements for a while, but it's still about you. And you haven't really dove into relationships and to connection into actually letting you have life on life connection with other people maybe just joining an e-group would be the great next step for you or helping us start new ones or being in a huddle and be this idea of living life or being on an e-team a serve team around here just to get to know more people what would it look like for that D- to have a changed community you know god's given our church opportunities to do so much in our community and there's more to come And it takes resources and energy and people power to do that, right? What does it look like to say, I'm going to step out and actually do that? These food distributions, maybe you've never come to one. What if you just came to one? What if you just showed up and said, I'm going to do this? Or once a month, I'm going to do this at either Catalina or Hollinger or whatever that may be. What does it look like to serve on a team? What does it look like to discover your spiritual gifts, and to put that into use, serving in our e-kids or serving in, uh, on our, our team, our welcome team or a set-up teardown team or just other opportunities that we've got around here. What does it look like to, to say, I want to change my community around me or I want to live with a greater purpose? So here's the question again. Which change is God wanting you to take a next step in? So 30 seconds, just me being quiet, I'm going to pray for us. And then we're going to move into a time of communion. So I'll set us up for that. Coming out of communion, Brian's going to lead us through a little more prayer time. But we really wanted to give us a chance before we move on to something else to say we want to be a people who live a changed life, changed heart, a changed mind, changed relationships, impacting our community, living with a changed purpose. So, Father, we just invite your Holy Spirit to speak into our hearts right now as we take just a few seconds to pause. God, would you show each one here What's one of the areas that you want to have a next step with us in the changing work that you're about?
Father, the whole rest of this evening is really about wrestling with that question. So as we take a moment to reflect through communion, as we reflect through prayer here in a few moments, and as we continue to reflect through song, through worship and aiming our heart in your direction, we just invite you and give you full permission to impact and touch each heart here with the change and the next steps for us in that. Jesus, you came and you, you gave your life as a sacrifice for our sins, the forgiveness of our sins, to change us permanently, salvation in and through you alone, period. We are so grateful for that. That it was your body broken, your blood shed, that we might be right with you and have life with you through faith in Jesus. But it wasn't about just securing a ticket for us to heaven, to relate with you in heaven and beyond, but for the right here and right now, you wanted to continue this sanctification, this ongoing work of change in our lives, that we might be a people who reflect your heart to the world around us, to the people that we rub shoulders with, that we might reflect your mind more and more, that we might have our relationships be holy, to be beautiful, to be rebuilt in a way that functions at the highest possible level. We're still broken, but the best we know how we experience more and more beauty in them. That we be a people that are freed and sent as active agents to, to be influencers for, for God and for your good in our world to expand the scope of your hope and your impact and the opportunities that we have to, to discover our spiritual gifts and to put those to use, to develop them, that your church would beautifully shine in and through all those gifts. And so we remember the sacrifice that you gave as a moment as we move here to partake of that cracker and, and that juice to remain reminded. I pray that your spirit would continue to work on us reflecting what's the changing work that you want to do in us. What's the changing work you want to do in us? Let's just continue the uh, attitude and the environment of prayer. Just keep your heads bowed if that's what you feel comfortable or your eyes closed. And I'm just going to talk and um, just as a, some reminders of, of how I want us to pray. So if I say something and that, that clues your heart in or ask you, just stay there and pray there. And then pray that. And then if I, something else that I say, stop there and pray. When we encounter Jesus when we take communion or we hear his word or we hear his truth, it demands a response. It demands that we stop looking through our shame and through our guilt down at our feet in our brokenness. We have a choice when we come into God's presence to look up 
at him. It's because when we face Jesus and we encounter him, it demands a change in us. And when we encounter him, it changes us. We can choose not to change, but his presence demands a change. He doesn't want us to stay here where we are currently. He wants us to be drawn into his presence, to experience him in a new way every moment of every day. He wants to move us as individuals and us as a church to not being super wide, but deeply rooted in who he is. We need to be a church that measures ourselves by our fruitfulness, not by our success. A church, a person that who's bearing fruit in the world that they live. It's not like we're a bunch of big trees are healthy trees that don't bear fruit. They're successful in the eyes of the world of trees. They're successful. But fruit producers, they're not. Or worse, we're like Christmas trees. They're all dressed up on the outside, have the lights on and the the glitter and the glitz, but are cut off from Jesus and are dead. John 15, 5, Jesus says, if I am the vine, you are the branch. I connected to you, you will bear much fruit. Not say bear much success, but bear much fruit. Without him, the end of that verse says, without him, we can do nothing. As Jack was just challenging us, what area is coming to mind? What change is God moving you to? How is he asking you to respond? What is God asking you right now to do in your personal life and to do in your church life? If you don't hear him or you're having trouble interpreting what that is, stay in that question till he answers it. 
stay in that prayer, asking him, God, what do you want me to do? We're going to sing a song in response. If you feel like you just need to continue to pray, sit where you are, stand where you are. We're just, we're going to sing a song in, in adoration and conviction to him and just respond to him. Some of the words of the song are, if more of you means less of me, take everything. Yes, all of you is all I need. Take everything. Let's just respond to him.